It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Life, Mike. Two of my favorite things, Halloween and old newspapers. <laughs> I, I know I've bored you time and time again with my obsession with old newspapers, but I'm going to do so again today. I think you might like this one. This is a good one. We're going back to 1937. Yeah, a letter to the editor sent in uh, by a woman who uh, decided to weigh in on the practice of trick-or-treating. We'll, we'll make our way over to that article uh, in, in a little bit. But first, I want to start with this question. What are you doing with your children for Halloween? We're, we're in a brand new era. This is something that we never before have seen. In fact, if you, you, know, if you are like me and you have, throughout the course of this pandemic, been looking backwards 100 years to the Spanish flu, uh, 1917, 18, 1920, back in those days, looking for parallels, you won't find many when it comes to trick-or-treating. It turns out, according to uh, a write-up from Jay Evenson with the Deseret News, a frequent guest here on this program, and he's got this remarkable piece on Halloween. The headline uh, reads, With the pandemic raging, how you handle Halloween may be a bigger decision than the election. With the pandemic raging, how you handle Halloween may be a bigger decision than the election. I'll get this shared up on my own Facebook page, and you can check this out for yourself. But it walks through a number of the realities that we are facing, a number of the preventative measures that we can take to safeguard ourselves this Halloween. And also, as I mentioned, uh, it looks backwards to see how Halloween was viewed in the past. We step aside a little bit from the, from the coronavirus element and just look at how things were back in the day. And I enjoy that a great deal. We'll get to that uh, report in just a moment. But one of the uh, things that's pointed out in this article is that the traditions of today are not necessarily the traditions of of forever. Right. So if we don't make it out trick or treating this year, uh, it's not the end of the world. We will not have betrayed some longstanding tradition handed down to us by our forefathers and ancestors of yesteryear. No, it's just a it's just a little thing we have to do to stay safe. And I wonder what your plans are. There was a survey conducted by the Deseret News in conjunction with the Hinckley Institute and uh, Scott Rasmussen, the pollster, and it asked a very simple question: Do you think kids should be trick or treating this year? Thirty three percent said that yes, kids should be trick or treating like usual. Thirty seven percent said yes. Kids should trick-or-treat with health considerations like masks and physical distancing. And then uh, the remaining 25% said no, uh, with 5% unsure. So that is, you know, if you take the two yes categories, yes like usual, yes with some precautions, that's like everyone, right? It's, like it's, it's, it's more than two-thirds of people think they should be, uh, that kids should be out trick-or-treating. Little baby Piper, she's a skunk this year. I think, uh, I think we're doing some trick-or-treating on Saturday. Uh, we'll be doing so safely, though. The state, interestingly, has uh, dedicated a page of the coronavirus.utah.gov website to uh, trick-or-treating safety. So for trick-or-treaters, the recommendations are you, if you're wearing a costume, the, the mask that comes with that costume does not replace a cloth mask. And so the reminder is if you are dressing up, if you've got uh, whatever kind of mask on, uh, 
you need to also have the you know a cloth mask and the the Halloween scary masks aren't sufficient considering uh, or consider this is one of the tips coming from the state consider wearing a Halloween themed face covering Halloween masks uh, don't uh, protect against COVID nineteen so the the suggestion there is maybe you adorn your mask in some way appropriate uh, to celebrate Halloween I don't know uh, trick or treating trick or treating so uh, trick or treating is mostly done outside. It's a much better option than an indoor gathering, according to the state. You can trick-or-treat safely if you wear a cloth face covering and stay at least six feet away from people who don't live in your home. Some added tips are wait to go up to the door if there's some if there's already a group there. Don't uh, stand, uh, don't stay at any one house for more than a few minutes. And interestingly, uh, don't let your kids eat their candy before they get home. When you get home, you can wipe the wrappers. Uh, down with a disinfecting wipe. The rest of the tips, if I'm honest, the rest of the tips are exactly in line with the the precautions that we have been invited to follow from the very beginning. One one specific line of suggestions for trick or treating comes to when it's time to answer the door. Uh, the the suggestion is avoid direct contact with trick or treaters. Give out treats outdoors if possible. Set up a station with individually bagged treats for kids to take. Wash hands before handling treats and wear a mask. The individually bagged treats, I know that's a big giant hassle, but uh, I took Baby Piper to a little Halloween event the other day, and uh, they said that there would be trick-or-treating. All of it good, you know, physically distanced and masks and all. Uh, but there was, in fact, trick-or-treating. But instead of, you know, just a bucket full of Kit Kat bars, it was a wall with Ziploc bagged, individually packaged candies kind of clothespinned to this uh, fence wall type thing. Anyway, so there was no cross-contamination. You walk up, you grab a bag. I know that whoever did that went through a great deal of work. Uh, But, you know, if it keeps people safe, it's probably worth it. Anyway, uh, I want to now jump to... Now, this this is like apropos of nothing. But you know how obsessed I am with these old newspapers. As I was reading through Jay Evenson's article talking about how we kind of need to weigh, uh, you know... (laughs) <laughs> the the dire situation in which we find ourselves and our desire to celebrate Halloween, he uh, he stumbled into uh, an old newspaper, just like the kind I, I dig up from time to time. And uh, if I can find it here, I want to read it to you. It's it's really funny. Uh, it is It comes from 1937. It uh, was published in the Corvallis Gazette Times in Corvallis, Oregon. Uh, coincidentally, I am related to, by marriage, I'm related to a firefighter. In Corvallis. Anyway, this is a letter to the editor submitted uh, just just after Halloween in, uh, in 1937. <laughs> this is great. Uh, it reads, Trick or Treat. During the Halloween just past, Trick or Treat seemed to be the war cry of those youngsters roaming the streets. It is hardly a slogan appropriate for children. Rather, it is the old familiar call of the racketeering gangster. Pay or else. What difference is there? One threatens with soap or tomatoes, the other with gun and bomb. How long with the effectiveness of their threats in their remembrance before these children growing up may lay aside their soap and take up the gun and apply the same apparently effective threat of trick or treat? (laughs) Imitation, I'm sorry. Imitation guns from cap pistols to submachine guns are already their favorite toy. Games of robbery and killing their favorite sport. How many parents know where their boys and girls are after dark, or what they're doing? How many were aware their children roamed in bands, soaping and breaking windows? These are old Halloween tricks, and may be condoned occurring as they do but once a year, but this new blackmailing rabbit of trick or treat 
is not one householders should encourage by surrender. Blackmail by children or gangsters is still blackmail. <laughs> is it not? Is it an occupation you would have your child take up so early? Signed, Mrs. J.P. Matthews. Can you imagine being Mrs. Matthews' neighbor? Her assertion there is that trick-or-treat appearing on the door of a neighbor asking for uh, a treat in exchange for safety of a trick. (laughs) That 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 practice is going to lead these kids to become, uh, what, racketeering gangsters? (laughs) Oh, I bet Mrs. J.P. Matthews was a strong person. Quick break. When we come back, I want to hear from you. What are your Halloween plans? What are you doing? What advice would you give others? Will you be handing out candy? The number, 801-575-8255. 801-KSL-TALK is the number. Back with your calls after the break on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. Final segment of today's episode, number 217. We're knocking them right out, huh? I want to share with you something real quick. We're going to get back to the phones and want to talk to you about your family's Halloween plans. I want to share with you some polling that I conducted myself. Uh, get on the phone. What are you up to this Halloween? How are you? How will you be celebrating? Are you going to change much of your plan? Will you be doing things a little bit differently? I have some, some text messages which have come through which offer some uh, neat suggestions about handing out candy. Uh, anyway, the number 801-575-8255. 801 801- KSL Talk is the number. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Uh, I've got my own uh, brand new baby daughter, Piper. It's her first Thanksgiving. I need some tips. But before we get to the phones, I want to share with you something a little unfortunate. And it it stems from something you heard reported earlier here on KSL. And it was that uh, there was a plan this morning by uh, some protesters to gather near the home of state epidemiologist Dr. Angela Dunn. Uh, well, I'm... Pleased to report that the crowd wasn't that big. There was a good uh, police presence from reports there nearby, and uh, and all were safe this morning. But uh, the governor has now, just a, a few moments ago, released a statement on uh, the plans. I want to read. I want to read exactly what the governor had to say for you, and it starts: uh, "Quote: No civil servant should have to come home to protests." I'm deeply disturbed that this has been Dr. Dunn's reality this week. These protests are disgraceful, and the organizers behind them should cancel all planned protests immediately. It's one thing to protest an elected official like myself, but it is completely out of bounds to protest at at a state employee's home. Law enforcement has been working for weeks, and as recently as today, to ensure the safety of our public health officials. They will continue monitoring concerning activities, and we will deploy all necessary resources to protect our public health experts from bad actors, harm, and harassment. The statement from Governor Herbert concludes, Dr. Dunn has been and continues to be a critical leader in Utah's pandemic response. We are fortunate to have her, and I am deeply grateful for her service. Regardless of what you think about science, about the guidelines, about the transmission index, about the color-coded response of yesteryear uh, or yester month, I don't know, yester week. I've been using that word yester a lot. Anyway, uh, regardless of what you think about, uh, you know, how the state is responding to this, the governor here is exactly right. Protests of essentially a private citizen, a state employee, a civil servant, are so completely out of line and wrong 
and not the way one ought to communicate or present themselves or, or let their grievances be aired. The governor points out, uh, I think in, in noble fashion here, it's one thing to protest an elected official like myself, like himself, the governor, but it's completely out of bounds to protest at a state employee's home. Think about that. Think about your line of work. What if it became the center of everyone's attention? All of a sudden, foisted upon you this great responsibility. While, of course, raising children as well. <laughs> and, then, and then to know that the way you had been executing your responsibility was interpreted so hostily by some that they track down your address, they mobilize amongst themselves and show up at your front door to scream and shout. Yeah, it's, it's a deplorable thing. And I'm sorry to say that. But it's, uh, it's the truth. All right? If you're one thinking about swinging over to Dr. Dunn's house, don't do it. Anyway, uh, with that said, let's, uh, let's get back to a, a lighter topic here, <laughs> Halloween. The, the question I have for you is how do you intend to celebrate this Halloween? What will you be doing uh, so you know, that you can continue the enjoyment of years past but also at the same time uh, respecting the need for safety. So a few text messages have come in, and I'm grateful to them. This is an interesting one. It says, uh, we are doing a treat slide, sanitized fun sliding down co- sliding down with COVID safety. The little ones just have to put their bag under the chute. Um, another one here, this one, uh, kind of a greater shift from plans before. We are not trick-or-treating. We're going to do a scavenger hunt around the house for candy, and I'm not answering the door. Hmm. Will you be answering the door? I did some polling. Unscientific. I I leaned on social media, but I asked, uh, essentially, how are you staying safe this year? And we got a number of responses. Also got some yes or no questions I want to share with you in a second. But uh, these responses to the question, how are you staying safe this year? Uh, masks, the first response. Uh, next one to come through, staying inside, watching a movie. Staying inside, watching a movie. I think there'll be some movies in the Lonsbury House uh, th- this weekend, but uh, we, we, we will be going out, doing a little bit of trick-or-treating, abiding by uh, you know whatever we need to abide by to stay safe, masks and distance and all that. Uh, another response to the question, how are you staying safe this Halloween? Wearing masks and gloves, social distancing, handing out candy with long tongs. All right, you borrow that from the barbecue grill. That'll be all right. Uh, Another one says, uh, at home with the family, playing games, watching movies, eating good food. That's pretty good. I like that one. Uh, Next one, family taking turns, hiding in closets, rooms so kiddos can knock and trick-or-treat inside. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, (laughs) If you have a family large enough for that, I guess that could work out. But (laughs) uh, anyway, here's one. I can't pass out candy and risk close contact with strangers. I care for my 87-year-old mother. That's one of the realities, right? We... As you've heard the governor repeat a phrase that he has used ad nauseum, that one size truly doesn't fit all. And as I ask these questions, the, the reason I ask is to get to exactly uh, these type of things, to hear the uniquenesses, the unique ways that folks have found and decided on uh, to, to keep themselves safe. Some of them are sad. Some of our some of them are are ingenious. The, the tongs to hand out candy that's great. Uh, a little bit sad. Uh, this. Uh, Salt Lake City mom says, I can't pass out candy and risk close contact with strangers because she cares for her 87-year-old mother. 
but listen, for all of you, I can tell you, there. I've checked the calendar. I've already looked ahead to 2021. There is a Halloween plan for next year. We're still going to have a chance. <laughs> we'll get back out there. Some of the other responses, uh, uh, ghost riding out of town, okay, um, quarantined at home with kids. Uh, oh, here's an interesting one, kind of similar to the shoot that was described. This one reads, we built a PVC pipe tube and have a fake doorbell for when kids come over. All right, that's pretty good. Uh, another one, leaving candy on the porch. Last uh, bit of data I will share. Uh, this one, because it's my first time as a father on Halloween, I asked, are, are you dressing up with your kids? Is that a thing? Do you, do you dress up with your kids? Do you have some sort of uh, some sort of costume theme? We are woodland creatures in the Lonsbury home. Little Piper, a raccoon, uh, myself. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm the raccoon. She's a skunk. And then uh, Mrs. Lonsbury is a deer. All right, that's it for me. I'm going to take a break, and I will be back tomorrow at 12.30. You and I hanging out again here on Live Mike. It's time to make way for the great Jeff Kaplan as he brings you Jeff Kaplan's Afternoon News next on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.